This podcast and the many that follow are proudly brought to you by our partner, Titleist, the number one ball in golf. Now, as it relates to earning an edge, our friends at Titleist have been the leaders since the early 1900s. And in order to compete and win at the highest level, frankly, there's no room for second best. For this reason, the best players in the world trust Titleist. Hey there, I'm Corey Lumberg of Altus Performance, and this is episode 14 of the Earn Your Edge podcast. And it's a very exciting week in golf. We're just coming off Tiger's big win at the Tour Championship. Cam and I are in France for the Ryder Cup, and following that, we'll be opening the Altus Europe headquarters just north of Paris. And to top it off, we've got two absolute bona fide superstars on the episode this week, two of the very best golfers in the planet. Cam was in Switzerland a couple weeks ago for the European Tour event and then the Evian Championship where he got to sit down with NB Park and Soyeon Yu. And if you don't know of them or are not familiar with their accomplishments, uh, shame on you if you follow golf because very few have achieved what they have. Between them, 25 LPGA Tour victories, including nine majors. NB won three of those in a row back in 2013. Both have been ranked number one in the world. Both have won the Rolex Annika Major Award and both have been LPGA Players the year. Uh, NB also won the gold medal in Rio uh, in 2016. And apart from being these amazing golfers, these are two of the very best people that you'll ever speak to. Just wonderful human beings with amazing personalities and insights to share on how you can earn your edge, the mindsets and actions required to accomplish extraordinary things. And Cam got into some great topics with them and what ended up being over an hour discussion. So we're splitting this up into two parts. In part one, we get to hear about their development, particularly the cultural differences of growing up and learning golf in Korea. It's great to hear their take on why Koreans have had so much success on the LPGA Tour uh, and then some other topics. So without further ado, here are two of the best golfers on the planet, Soyeon Yu and MB Park. Enjoy. Welcome to the Earn Your Edge podcast. I'm joined today by two of the preeminent golfers in the world. These two combined have accolades that include a combined nine major championship victories, multiple Player of the Year awards, along with money title awards, scoring average titles, and spent plenty of time holding them the number one ranking in the world. But most noteworthy, you'll never find two people more genuine, kind, and generous. And from this place of generosity, I get to chat today with Inby Park and So Yeon Thanks for joining me, ladies. No, thank Hello. you for having us. <laughs> so let's fire away. First question. Inbi, you were 10 and so Yon, you were eight when Savory Park won the 98 US Open Championship. What were your memories of that? Yeah, I remember because back then I wasn't playing golf. My dad was a big fan of golf and big fan of obviously Seri. Uh, so he was just watching TV like very early in the morning because of the time change. But I wasn't playing golf, but I was just hearing my dad just cheering on for a <laughs> Korean girl trying to win a major championship. And I just remember him just getting really excited. And you know, after that, she won the championship. My dad, even before that, my dad always wanted me to play golf. He always wanted me to take me to the golf course and you know, trying to get me get into golf. And I always said, oh, you know, golf just seems so boring. And I think it's just a boring sport. I don't want to play. And I, so I haven't played for like two years since he's asked. And, you know, since Seri won, um, he got more into into golf and he really convinced me to play and play and play. And, and just one day after Seri won, I just ended up going to the driving range and started hitting balls. And, and I kind of got into golf and I just thought that maybe, you know, I can do this. And maybe this is a little more interesting than I thought. So, yeah, that's why that's how I picked up golf. So she provided you a spark, did she? Well, I, I say it's a, yeah, I say it's a little bit of a spark because I 
thought it was just such a cool thing to see. Um, I remember, you know, Sari's feet was so white and her skin was so black. Mm. And I was like, how she got that feet? And I was like, because I didn't know back then it was whether it's tanning or, you know, whatever. I was like, sure, her feet is so white. And, you know, it looks so cool. You know, it's, it's just 10-year-old thinking, yeah. you know. Right on. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> how did the eight-year-old so you on you frame that victory? I started to play golf only a few days before she won the championship. Yeah, only like three or four days. Um, so because of that, I kind of like paid attention to how she played. Like, but as Zimbi said, I also thought like, wow, look at the tent line, you know, it's so awesome. Yeah. But like even back then, I didn't really know about the tent line. So I just also wondered like why she has so much difference between the feet color and the yeah. other skin's color. But like, you know, even though I started to play golf a few days before Sari won the tournament, um, I didn't really know about the golf road at all. Like, you know, I didn't really know about the driver, putter, whatever. I don't really know about the, any yeah, kind of word about right? the golf then. But I was just so excited to see like, you know, like Korean girls just dominating on the, to uh, on the tour. Like, you know, there she's competing like worldwide. Like Korea is such a small country. So seeing her um, the win, the win, win the championship was definitely inspired for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fantastic. And so let's fast forward uh, to today in Korean domination in the LPGA and what seems to be a, a slow progression towards many more male Koreans making it to the PGA Tour. As you reflect back, what would you both pinpoint that's maybe foundational culturally, maybe inspirationally coming from Korea that allows so many ladies from Korea to excel at such a high level in the LPGA? Well, I think it's definitely has started, you know, after Series won the major U.S. Open in 98. I think after that, it just got so much bigger. And like Sari Pack, Grace Park, like Mihyun Kim, Jung Jang, and like all these, you know, first generations of Korean golfers, they opened up the road for us, I think. Because, you know, we never thought that we can actually try for the LPGA Tour. And they kind of showed us the way how it can be done. And... They started like that and then after that you know we tried and you know we started a couple of players st started playing really well and you see your friend playing really well on the on the tour you kind of think that oh maybe my if my friend can do it maybe i can do it so many girls started trying for the qualifying school back in 2000 2010s and i think i think it was the really maximum of, of players about 10 years ago was probably the maximum of korean players started that was playing on the LPGA Tour. But I think that as the years went on, the numbers are actually decreasing, I, I see. Mm -hmm. uh, until like this point, this point, I think it's a lot less player than 10 years ago. Yeah. So I think it is getting a little bit smaller. Uh, but the other side, the men, men is getting bigger and bigger, I think, because everybody asks me like, why is Korean women's golfer is so good, but why not the Korean men golfers? And I really couldn't find the good answer for them. Yeah, because, you know, I always thought that they're pretty good golfers and good golfers to be competing on the PGA Tour as well. But somehow it just didn't work. But once like few players, you know, got on the tour and they kind of showed the way that it can it can be working and like many more. And now I think it's getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And so you I think we got the good point, like, you know, she's talking about the other um, golfers as well, the same generation as Sari. So we had more players than actually just Sari Park, like Grace Park, Myung Kim, Jung Jang, like she mentioned, like Hee Won Han, she mentioned a lot of players. So it was really, really great to have all the good role models. So I think that's one of the reasons why we could keep continuing dominating on the tour, because 
if Seri Pack was only one, maybe not many players can really dream about it. But even after Seri, like we had Ji Shin, like Nayeon Choi, in B Park, that we just keep having a you know great great role model to look up. And then I think one of the reasons why Korean players could be really good at golf is that I think just Korean culture. Like I think the biggest biggest difference between like KLPGA and LPGA, maybe even KPGA and PGA, I would say just like emotion. Like in, in Korea, um, like because of our culture, like you're never gonna show off your, like how you feel right now. Like you're not gonna show off how happy you are. You're not gonna show off how sad you are. And then especially let's say you hit a like terrible shot on the golf course. Like you easily could see like somebody throwing the club or like, you know, shouting or whatever, whatever on the LPGA and PGA, but you might not gonna see it in the like Korean tour because that's our culture. We have to hide what we are thinking. So I think we just grew up that kind of culture. So we just automatically know how to control our emotion, which is, you know, golf is a mental game and that is really important. So the desirable psychological state to excel at golf is essentially culturally bred. I think so, yeah, because like, like Inbi says, so many people's asking me like, why Korean women's golfer is so dominating on the tour? Why they're so good at it? And then like, because I have the question like at least 50 times, I really had to think about it. And then somebody um, mentioned about the using chopstick, but I think, you know, Chinese, Japanese, a lot of, you know, countries using chopsticks. Fine metal well. skill, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, it could be it, but it's not just about that. And then just cultural like mental side was the only thing I was able to think of yeah. but, and I think, yeah. at, I think also at the same time because the competition level is you know so high because you know Korean is in in Korea yeah okay quite dense like we have such a small country and so many people lives in in the country so we have many of people playing golf for the size of the country so the competition is much stronger than like United States or Australia, like because you guys are such a big country and you, know, you guys have a lot more people than we are. And I think it's just since you know we started you know playing golf and since we are growing up as a junior golfers, it's just it's just so competitive. You know, if you're not playing good, you're not surviving. So let's take a quick break in the action to recognize one of our partners, Under Armour. It's Under Armour's mission to make all athletes better through passion, design, and the relentless pursuit of innovation. And that ethos or mission statement couldn't be more aligned with the Earn Your Edge podcast. We're thankful to be powered by Under Armour. One point of curiosity I do have, if we talk about diversification or specialization, in America there's a lot of ideology or thought around diversify. Do a lot of different things uh-huh. versus specialize. Do right, one right, thing. Right. Is there any merit to when you both decided to get really good at golf? Now, granted, you took different pathways. You came to America right. and you stayed in Korea. Is there any merit to when you decided, I'm going to be good at golf, that's all you did? Is there any merit to that? I think, yeah, I think that's pretty much what all the golfers, Korean golfers do um, when they're growing up. Probably about couple of years into golf, you know, you kind of think that if you have the talent and if you think that you're going to make a living playing golf, mm-hmm. I think everybody's just kind of all in right. in <laughs> golf. Like your parents and you and everyone around you is kind of just in there and just 
it's just golf and golf and golf. <laughs> so yeah, it's very it's it's very yeah it's very specialized yeah, yeah. for sure yeah because sure. we're not like studying and you know trying to find a job in college we're not doing that you know yeah. it's just playing golf is just playing golf. And your experience yeah. says that golf requires such a time intensive application, particularly in the early years, mm -hmm. that you've got to hit thousands upon thousands of yeah. golf balls. Yeah to control the club face at the bottom of the swing so well, correct? Yeah. And was that your, your experience, Soyeon, that you, did, you dedicated a lot of time and energy in the early developmental years? So I have to talk through a little, little bit of my background because I started to play piano when I was like three or four, and then I started to pick up the violin when I was four and then playing flute, and then my mom made me do like ballet, swimming. So she just, you know, she just gave me a lot of opportunity to do something. Yeah. So because of that, I was able to choose you know, golf. Like, I think th this is what I really like. This is what I really love. And then this is what I'm really going to good at it. So even though I started to play golf when I was eight, I didn't really know what I really want to be because I did like so many different things. I just needed more time to choose what I really want to be. And then when I just turned 14, my mom asked me, Soyeon, what do you want to be? You know, do you want to be a magician or just professional golfer? And then back then I was like, no doubt, like no brainer for for sure music. I didn't even think about to become a professional golfer. And then her question made me really think about it. And then I realized how much I love to play golf. That's how I decided to play golf. So because of this kind of background, I never really practiced that much. I only practiced probably hour to couple hours, maybe a couple hours of the max because, you know, school finished at three. And then if you go to the golf course, you know, it's maybe going to be like four. And then I had to have a, you know, dinner around six and then had to go into academy to, you know, uh, studying like math, English, whatever. So I only had like two hours of practice session. Um, so because of that, I think the two hours of practice session was quite intense to, you know, 13 years old kids, like 14, 15 years old kids. Can you, can you explore the intensity? What, like what did intensity look like? If it was just two hours, you had to make the most of your time. What did that look like? I think, you know, I'm seeing a lot of junior golfers these days on the golf course in America or like Korea. But like back then, we didn't really have, you know, iPhone like Samsung Galaxy, we didn't really have really good technology. So I didn't even look up Instagram or Twitter while I'm practicing. Right, no distractions. Yeah, just just practice. And I didn't even listen to music, you know. What I did was just keep practice and focus on what I have to do. And then, you know, think about like, what can I fix it? What can I do more kind of stuff instead of looking at the Instagram like, oh, Jordan's business swing looks really great. Am I going to copy it? I never really, you know, have any distractions. So even though I only had a two hours of practice, that was good enough. So I always thought that's good amount of time to practice. And then I become a national team member when I was 15 and then I started to have national team training and then we woke up at 4 and then play 18 holes and then by the time we finished 18 holes it was only 8.30 and then we have a breakfast and then we just keep pounding, you know, hitting the ball until we're gonna have a lunch and then have, after having lunch maybe hour of, you know, resting time um, and then keep putting, chipping until 6. So I think those time of the day was like a time I practice a lot. If I, you know, think about the whole my like golf career, those three years was um, the time I practiced the hard, really, really hard and a lot. But if I look back, if I didn't practice that much at that those period of time, I might cannot be here. Yeah. Like I didn't practice a lot of time because I wanted to, because the coach asked me to do that much time. I mean, especially when you're a national team member, you know, you should do whatever coach asks you to do. That's why I did it. But I think it was really necessary. And then I think I learned quite a lot through them.
NB, you chose to come to America. Can you unpack the, that decision-making process? What did you feel like America provided you? Well, I think I came to America when I was just um, heading into the middle school, which was sixth grade. And my mom was just shocked because, you know, she took me to the school in Korea and like they, they were like, oh, just come to school just once a week and just play golf because I was going in as a golf team. And my mom was just so shocked because I just graduated from elementary school and I just going into middle school. But they're saying just play golf and not study. And so my mom was just getting really scared that, you know, it's it's good that if I play good golf and become a very successful professional golfer, it's perfect. It's going to work very well. But what if it doesn't work? Like I am not educated. And, you know, what am I going to do? What do you fall back on? Yeah. yeah. So my mom was just really scarce. That's why she took me to America because she wanted me to study and golf at the same time together. Because like in Korea, it is just hard to play golf in the week, like weekdays, which uh, I mean in the weekend because it's the golf is very expensive in the weekend and there is not as good junior programs like we have in America or some other countries because, like I said, Korea is very small country and. You know, we don't have that much land to build golf courses on. And the golf course is very expensive to play. And some golf courses back then when I was playing, some they weren't allowing elementary school kids to play without members. And obviously then you have to buy the membership. And it just, just became so complicated to practice, especially just after school. You try to go maybe practice for like, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock. You just don't have anywhere to go and practice because you have to drive like an hour to go and and like, yeah, there's not many. Like, so, so the situation was not great. So that's why we moved to America. And obviously, America, we don't really have any kind of excuse to not go to school. So I went to school. And like, same, same with Soyan's schedule. You know, it finished like 8 to 3. And then I started practice a couple hours after. And, you know, go to, you know, go to dinner. And, yeah, I think do some homework. And so I... Did graduate from middle and high school in in America, just like normal kids. You know what would we experience? And you know when I look back, I think it's just such a great thing that I have done because if I wasn't educated since I was a junior golfer, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be thinking the same way that I am thinking right now. Yeah. So I you know always thank my mom that oh good thing that you know you didn't keep me in Korea <laughs> back then. Yeah, I mean I I know I might have you know became a better player by just you know practicing so much, hitting thousand golf balls every day. And, and that's why now I worry because of this next generations of Korean golfers, because like a lot of the schools now uh, make them go to school, at least for maybe the morning times and maybe after noon times they go practice. But like, I think it's maybe half and half. They still, sometimes they still don't go to school. Yeah, some, some school make you go to school, but like, you know, like I said, Soyan and me is probably 1% of the 100, per, like 99 other person of the golf junior golfers. They're just coming to like uneducated and just what they know is just golf. So I, that's why I worry a little bit about um, the next generations. Yeah, I really wish, you know, they have better junior program back in Korea so they can go to school and then practice in the, in the afternoon and maybe go to Rather than full-time dedicated golf. Right, yeah, right. Sure. Go to the golf course on, in the afternoon and play nine holes. You know, allow them to go after, like, tee off 3 or 4 p.m. and let them play for nine holes. Yeah. But I think it really becomes, like, very complicated because then I think it has to be, like, like government issues and, like, you have to 
some some complicated problems. Lots so, of complicated yeah, problems so that's why that. sure. back then I just moved to America and I decided to do yeah school you know, angle. Yeah, yeah, school and, and irrespective together. of the pathway that you took, yeah. it could have been staying in Korea. You would have been yeah. you would have become world's best. <laughs> we, we know yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and, yeah. and so speaking of looking back, is there a difficult point throughout your like again? You both turned pro at seventeen. Is there a difficult point in your professional careers that stands out, even though it may have may have been difficult? You may have framed it as man. I was in a slump where I failed at this that set you up for later success that we can understand how sometimes those difficult times do that for us. Like it's difficult to go through them, but yet as we reflect back on it, it's like, man, I had to do that because it taught me this set of skills. Well, I think for me it was too, after I win the first major championship, which is like very first win of my professional career, U.S. Women's Open in 2008. And after that, until 2012, I haven't won until I won the Avian Masters in 2012. So in that four years, you know, I have gone through many things. I almost, um, you know, lost my card and, you know, I missed maybe half of the tournament cuts. And, you know, I was like, I wasn't able to hit the ball straight. And I was just so scared, like, like playing golf. And I was just in that time, I was kind of thinking that, oh, maybe if I didn't go to school and if I just keep playing, you know, hitting thousand balls every day, <laughs> I wouldn't have been going through this. And, you know, I, sometimes I was thinking like that, but I, you know, come, come now and I think about it back. And I kind of think that that time was very important to me because um, now, you know, when I, you know, face some troubles and when I, you know, don't hit the ball as good as I want. And if I go through some tough time, I kind of think back and, oh, you know, how can it be worse than that? You know, I have, I have experienced the worst times and it can be really never worse. It's gonna, it's never gonna be better, you know, worse than that. So that just gave me that kind of mindset. So um, after that, it has been, you know, quite smooth. Can you remember the things that brought you from the low points back to uh, world's best to, to winning Evian? Well, I think, well, in that time I met my husband and obviously um, I met a new coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's my husband. So I've kind of resetted my golf swing and I've kind of resetted my golf in yeah, general. A fresh start, so to yeah, speak. Fresh yeah, fresh start. Because, you know, back then, you know, in 2009, 2010, you know, I just didn't know where my swing was going. and Obviously, I don't know where my ball is going if you don't know your swing. Sure. So um, I kind of reset it, um, meeting Kiap and dating and getting married, starting new life, starting new new golf swings, starting the new chapter of, of golf as well. So, you know, I started, I kind of, I to even told him, I, I really feel like I am just a beginner and I feel like I'm playing golf again from the beginning. And I, you know, I always thought that because I was in a, such a tough situation i always thought that oh maybe it is just better to just playing like a beginner because i play like a beginner anyway right now and <laughs> that's beautiful yeah so that's you know how i started um yeah started again overcoming yeah mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh there's a lot written about the beginner's mindset over the last few years and it, it gives you a level of freshness to what you're doing and uh, hit the restart button and forgiveness yeah, i think that's what you're talking about now if you go through any difficult period of time whether it's a couple of shots during a round or a series of tournaments you reflect back and say couldn't be as bad as that i'm going to give myself some forgiveness and, and strive forward and yeah. i know it'll be better how about you Sayon? well actually i was i'm very fortunate to not really having like kind of those kind of rough times in struggle. v yeah, yeah mm -hmm. in v explain um I, I know i'm very fortunate about it because like I joined the tour, I mean, I joined the KLPGA tour in 2008. And then since then, 
like I pretty much won every year and then I finished top 10 like numerous of time and then maybe I joined the uh, KL LPGA in 2012 and then I won tournament in July in 2012 and then after that I haven't won any tournament until 2014 but even I haven't won any tournament until 2014 I still finished like top five top ten a so lot she, so. she didn't have a rough year so, <laughs> I know I think I've seen her yeah so um, I don't think I really can call that as a slump but um, I think it's just, it was just more about the when I just started to working with you like in 2016 because I still remember I was hitting the golf with um, the 2015 CME uh, Globe Championship which is our very last tournament of the year and then I maybe I hit a driver like 20 yards shorter than what I normally hit it and then uh, I couldn't really feel like anything about my swing. I really didn't know about like what's going on with my swing. And then there was a time I thought it's like, you know what, I probably need to do something else. I, you know, I probably need to like, you know, in describe like reset my golf. Yeah. But I know that was kind of very sensitive time because 2016 was, you know, they, um, Brazil hosted the Olympic and then that's one of the, my, you know, biggest goal, you know, since um, IOC announced um, golf gonna be in the game in 2016. But I knew I, you know, had to do something else to improve myself. That's why I decided to, you know, working with, you know, someone, someone new. And then, um, you know, I met you. So I started to, I mean, you know, change the swing. And then a lot of people started to say, like, what are you doing? Why are you changing your swing? You know, because back then I was on the like, team for Olympic. So a lot of people said it's, you know, so risky. You know, if you're doing what you did, you know, you could have made um, Olympic team. Why are you doing something else? So I told them to like, you know, playing Olympic, it's going to be awesome. And then that's definitely one of the, my goal. But, you know, Olympic is not my final goal. You know, I want to be number one in the world someday. And then I really feel like I need to do something else to make myself to put that, that position. So I just trusted my decision. But um, it was really tough to um stick to what i decided because like when everybody around me just speaking about like you're gonna fail you know it's gonna be so tough it's really really hard to trust it but i knew you know you and i just talk about the golf swing a lot then we discussed a lot and then i know what i was gonna do with you and then i was seeing you maybe like two or three times a week when every time when i was in um in dallas um so I was really able to trust myself. Committed to it. Yeah, committed to it. I think for sure because of those time, I was able to become a number one in the world. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with Soyeon and MB. We will be back next week with the rest of this conversation. And in the meantime, Cam and I will be taking advantage of our time at the Ryder Cup where we've nailed down some really cool guests for coming episodes. So till next time, go USA.